a part of healing is finding inspiration even in your darkest moments. You're listening to Mother of Raw. It's so amazing to me how the creative mind works. I was fully prepared this week to talk about something totally different on this episode of Mother of Raw. But instead, here I am, 2.20 in the morning, can't sleep, and I've got so much on my mind, and I'm just going to talk from my heart. I promised that this podcast would be all about transparency and all about honesty, and that I would be willing to share my truths in hopes that it could help someone else. And tonight the stakes of that are a little higher because tonight I'm sharing my truths in the hope that it can save someone else. I have definitely had a run in twice now with some pretty serious depression. And I know last week I talked about how I used to feel like all my thoughts in my head were causing me anxiety and that when I felt like that, I needed an empty room. And so tonight I am talking to you from my figurative and my literal empty room. Depression for me is not something that I talk about openly. I am definitely a mental health awareness advocate and last month was Mental Health Awareness Month and all throughout the month I talked about self-love and self-care and taking care of yourself and your emotions but I never really I never really delved into anything direct in detail about myself and it's because a part of me felt shame from that point in my life because I felt like I was weak for getting to the points that I got to. But recently, not only with the passing of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, but some of my own friends that I went to high school with or that I worked with, I've seen them post things online or say things online that seem like a cry for help. So, I'm here to help. Depression is real. And depression can be a silent killer. And unfortunately for some, it is and has been a silent killer. And for me, it was almost a silent killer. One time, I have contemplated suicide seriously one time in my life. And I remember the exact moment, and I remember the moments leading up to it. And I choose to remember them, and I choose to make sure that I don't bury them down in the back of my subconscious because I need it to remind me why I decided to stay. It was about maybe 
2013, 2014, and I was lost. And on the outside, you know, it seemed like I was doing good. I had the boyfriend, had the car, the good job, nice townhouse out in the West End. But on the inside, I was empty. And it wasn't that I was, that I wasn't grateful for the things that I had accomplished, but I just felt like I didn't have a purpose. I felt like I was in a cycle that I had no control over and that I wasn't reaching any goals and that I wasn't striving for anything anymore. I felt like I was in the waiting place that they talk about in Oh, The Places You Will Go by Dr. Seuss. (laughs) And it was a horrible feeling because I put so much pressure on myself and I have such high expectations of myself. And me doing that, I set myself up for extreme disappointment in myself. And I allowed so many things to get to me and I it started to eat at me. And I let those things eat at me for weeks. And then weeks turned into months. And I started to feel ashamed and... I felt bad about myself for things that I shouldn't have felt bad about myself for. A big part of it was I worked so hard in high school to get into college and I got into quite a few colleges and I decided to go to VCU, but circumstances made it where I couldn't continue. And everybody who knew me growing up knew that I was an intellectual And nobody could ever talk to me anymore without asking me when I was going back to school. And people didn't realize that that was a trigger for me. Because one thing I really wanted to do was go to college. And I know that they weren't meaning it in a way to hurt my feelings, but every single time... Somebody asked me when I was going back to school. I rem- it just used to make me itch. And I took, I took out so much on myself. I didn't need anybody to make me feel bad because I hated myself. There was this deep self-loathing that I had where I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I literally felt like I was taking up space. That my place here on earth was a waste of space. And I remember being in my townhouse and I was alone at home. I had been depressed for a while and I had stopped working and I had seen a therapist but really I was already so far gone that I was sitting at therapist just to say that I was going and really not take away anything from those sessions I used to get frustrated with the therapist because I was like do you not see that I'm not okay and even if he was trying to help me I was not in the position to want help. I had 
really already made up my mind the first time that I saw him that it wasn't going to work out and that I didn't need a therapist and that there was nothing he could say that could make me feel any different about how I felt. I've always been strong-willed in that way and in that situation it was to my disadvantage. But I was at home alone and I felt this type of emptiness that it was almost hard to explain. It was almost like me as a being that I was a void. I was a black hole. And all I was doing was sucking the energy out of a room. I didn't think that I would bring light or happiness anymore. Like I felt like a shadow, like a walking shadow. And that on the inside, there was nothing but darkness. And the only thing that was making me seem like a human being was the skin on the outside. And I thought as long as I can look like and seem like I'm okay on the outside, nobody will realize what's going on on the inside. But it got to a point where that darkness and that void started to, it's almost like I started to bust at the seams. And that self-hatred and that disappointment and that resentment, it started to pour out of me onto the floor. And I remember being in my bathroom with my dog and I just crumpled onto the floor. And in that moment, I thought that I blacked out. But I was still conscious. I was still there. And I remember just crying and feeling that emptiness. And it was the most painful thing I had ever felt. It was more painful than it was. It wasn't a physical pain. It wasn't an emotional pain. It was like this universal pain where there would not have been any band-aid, any medicine, any alcohol, anything that would have fixed me in that moment. And I sat in the bathroom on the floor and I had accidentally broken a glass and I was already upset that I had broken the glass, but I had a shard of glass in the bathroom with me and I dragged it lightly across my wrist a couple times just to see if I could feel anything anymore. Like I said, I didn't feel like a person anymore. And I was just there. I wasn't Ashley anymore. I wasn't a daughter anymore. I wasn't a cousin. I wasn't a sister. I wasn't a co-worker. I was nothing. 
And I remember having almost like tunnel vision where my eyes were open, but I didn't see anything. It was just gray and dark. And I thought in that moment, I'm here by myself. And that's what it's going to be like for the rest of my life is me being alone and sad and depressed. And I don't want to be a burden to anybody. So it'll be better if I'm just not here. It's in my best interest to go ahead and save a whole lot of people a lot of wasted time. If I just die now. And the most remarkable thing happened is I forgot that I had bought my dog in the bathroom with me. And Coco is always going to be my first baby. And I tell her that all the time. Harrison might be my baby now, but Coco will always be my first baby. And in that moment where... I felt like this is it. I don't care anymore. My dog put her paw on my arm and she whimpered at me. And it snapped me out of that that tunnel vision. It snapped me out of that, that, that blackness. That small, genuine, concerned touch from my puppy... And I looked down at her and she looked up at me like, mom, what the hell are you doing? Like she had this look on her face that was sheer terror and sheer concern. And she just whimpered and she laid her head on me. And I just laid on the floor in my bathroom with my dog until I got myself together. And in that moment, I was broken. Every piece of everything that I was was laid there on the floor. And there was nothing else that I could do from that moment other than pick up the pieces and put myself back together. I felt like the character, the James, James McAvoy, I think that's how you say his name, that he played in Wanted. I love the movie Wanted with Angelina Jolie, Common. Morgan Freeman, great movie. And there's this scene where they're beating him up and they're like, why are you here? 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 And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all bought me here. I'm the, re- you guys are the reason I'm here. And they would tie him up and just keep beating on him. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? And then at one point in the movies, he, he goes, it's because I don't know who I am. And they stopped hitting him. That's what I felt like. I felt like I I needed to completely shatter. I was damaged goods. I was walking around with band-aids over all of these cracks and bruises and scrapes that were on me figuratively. And I kept walking around beating myself up. Who are you? Who are you? Why are you here? Why are you here? And once I released 
and I let go of the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea why I'm here. I was able to clear my vision and finally get myself back together. And since we're being completely honest, everything didn't immediately get better after I left myself shattered on the floor of my bathroom. I had to pick up all those little tiny pieces of myself that were broken. And I, it was my job to stitch and glue and piece them back together. And best believe I got some bloody hands from it. Because in picking up those pieces of myself, I had to look at my reflection in all those pieces. And looking at my reflection in all those pieces made me realize this is what you would have left behind for somebody to pick up if you would have decided to take your life. I had to really analyze and look at myself and think about that I can't be selfish to take myself out of an equation when I am a vital part in so many people's lives. So as I was picking up the pieces of myself off my bathroom floor, I saw my parents. I saw my grandparents. I saw Chris, I saw my dogs, I saw people I worked with, I saw my friends. And I realized I can't do this to them. I can't leave here thinking that I'm freeing myself when I'm going to be putting so many other people into a cage. I can't do that. So is it going to be painful for me to pick myself up off the floor and unlock my bathroom door and go on about my day? Is it going to be hard? Yeah. But it'll be worth it, Ashley, if you stay. And that's what I had to tell myself. It'll be worth it if you stay. And it wasn't a moment that I talked about openly with anybody because, like I said before, I was I was ashamed that I allowed myself to get to that point. But in hindsight, I don't really feel ashamed anymore because... I am willing to openly admit that sometimes you got to hit rock bottom and sometimes everything has to be spelled out on the floor for you to really take a perspective and really see how important you really are. Even if in the grand scheme of things, you're not famous or well-known In that moment, my dog let me know that she loved me. 
And I realized that there were people who would miss me if I was gone. And that there would there were opportunities and things that I didn't see then. But that would come into my life and remind me of my purpose and remind me of what I'm good at and remind me of what I like to do. Perfect example is this podcast. Mother of Raw every single week gives me a little bit more confidence. Every time I get something off my chest or give my opinion or like tonight tell my story. A little bit of that weight is lifted off of me. And it's taken years to lift that weight off of me. And I almost had another slip. When Harrison was born, I had postpartum depression, something serious. I went the first three months of him being here not looking in a mirror. And it's hard to do that in my house because there are quite a few mirrors. And in my bathroom, there's this big three-piece mirror on our vanity. But I was a pro at avoiding that mirror. I didn't even like to look at myself. I was so disappointed once again. I'm so hard on myself. I was so disappointed in myself for having to have a C-section. And I just felt like I didn't try hard enough. And I thought that everybody else was doing a better job of taking care of my baby than me. Like. I was low-key super jealous of Chris when Harrison was born because he was the ultimate dad and he could swaddle like a pro. Like I'm talking about Harrison used to be swaddled like a Chipotle burrito. Like Chris used to call him a burrito baby and Chris's stepmom and my mom would come take care of Harrison while I laid in the room with the door closed in the dark. There were some days where I would wake up and one of them was here and I would bring the baby out to them and I would go back in the room and close the door. And I felt so bad. I did. I felt like a horrible mom. I was like, here are these people taking care of my baby while I lay in my bed in my room being super antisocial. And I felt myself slipping back into that darkness. I felt myself slipping back into that place where, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You can't even be a good mom. Why did you have a baby? Why did you subject your child to that if you weren't going to care? And I decided this time... We're not doing this, Ashley. You don't get to be selfish this time. Because that baby needs you. It's never, and I remember my mom telling me that it does not matter how many people take care of that baby, he will always know that you are his mother. She told me it does not matter how many times we change him or how many times we feed him. 
he's always going to look at you and know that that's my mom. And so when I felt like I was getting back to the point where I didn't have anything to live for again, and I felt that void opening back up inside me, I looked at my baby. Whenever I felt ugly, Harrison would look at me like I was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. Whenever I felt useless, Harrison made me feel needed. Whenever I felt like I didn't have a purpose, Harrison reminded me that if anything, if I felt like I was lost, that the one thing that I had, the one purpose that I could focus on was being his mom. And I was so concerned when he was really little that we wouldn't bond because I was so stressed out and in my own head and just not taking care of myself properly after I had a baby and I didn't breastfeed well and I just, I didn't live up to my own high expectations that I had set for myself. And you would have thought I learned from the first time, but once again, I had set really high expectations. And when I wasn't living up to them, when I wasn't being the super mom that could get up and go walking in her jog with her jogger stroller and have a, a freezer full of breast milk and do the stay at home mom thing and have the house spotless and dinner cooked every day. When I didn't do that, when I hadn't accomplished that, I was like, there you go, Ashley, again, failing at life. But every single day when I go in Harrison's room to wake him up or to get him up for the morning, he smiles at me like it's the first time he's ever seen me. And that is a love that can never be replaced. And that is a love that will keep me here on this earth as long as he needs me. I cannot imagine anymore not being here. I cannot imagine having my son grow up and wonder why his mom left him. Why did she bring me here to leave me? I refuse to allow my own insecurities to create a void in my child. Not this time. And it won't happen again. And I use and I want to use my strength and my survival story as a way to help other people. It's easy, I think, to allow yourself to get depressed. There's so much negativity out there. There's so much hatred. There's there's so many expectations that are just so extremely unrealistic that it's easy to 
get sucked into that. It is so easy. You can scroll through Instagram on a good day and be like, what am I doing? You can scroll through Instagram and you can see the unrealistic beauty goals. You can see everybody with money and it just, it makes you sit there and think, what am I doing? So you got to take care of yourself sometimes and back off of that. And take care of yourself and do some and have some self-reflection. And think about the things that that hold you here. Think about the things that keep you grounded. That's what I have to do. I'm not saying that my battle with depression is over because it's not. I still have days where I don't even realize that I'm avoiding looking in the mirror. But I force myself at least once a day to make eye contact and acknowledge there's a person in there. And I got to pull her out sometimes and sometimes she wants to hide. But I'm still in there somewhere. And for anybody out there who is struggling with depression or anxiety or contemplating suicide. I know what it feels like. 100% I understand. I definitely have a lot of empathy and I feel things. And sometimes for me, I've made it a burden and I've burdened myself with other people's issues and other people's problems in the past. And I used to get angry at myself for putting myself through that because sometimes I come in contact with people who dismiss me or I feel like they throw me away or they push me away. And I used to take it, and sometimes I still take it, depending upon the situation, take it extremely personally. Well, take it extremely personal. Because I feel like all these things that I'm giving to these people, all this love that I'm giving to these people, why do they treat me the way that they treat me? Why is it that I give so much to get back scraps? And for a long time, it did affect me negatively. Until I realized that I'm just a loving person. And that even though sometimes the situation is not convenient for me, those people need my love. I come in contact with people who have lost people or they feel like people leave them. Or they feel like they don't have a support system. So... They don't know how to receive my love. They don't know how to. They're expecting me to disappoint them. They're expecting me to leave them because that's what they know so much in their lives. And it hurts me. I can't say that it doesn't because it does hurt me sometimes to get that that type of emotional feedback from people and it drives me crazy because I'm like why why do I subject myself 
to this type of emotional abuse? Why do I do it? And it's because that's just who I am. I am willing to be a martyr if that means that I'm helping you. Because I take a step back and I shut myself off for a little bit and I lick my wounds and I come back. There is never going to be a situation where the last person that I gave love or support to, if I feel like they didn't appreciate or if they didn't receive it in the way that I was hoping they would, that's never going to stop me from giving love to somebody else. That is really what I feel like my purpose is here in this lifetime. Is to give that support and give that love to people who need it. I walked around for years thinking that nobody needed me and nobody would care if I was gone. But people need me. Whether they realize they need me or not, people need me. And whether you realize it or not, people need you. It's going to hurt. I'm not saying that people aren't going to hurt you. I'm not saying that people aren't going to disappoint you. I'm not saying that things won't be hard. And I'm not saying that sometimes stuff's just not going to go your way. And sometimes you feel like you put so much good out into the world and It's like you're getting back bad karma. But you're not. Some of us are here to love and to help others. Somebody's got to do it. And I used to think that I was given this job as an empath, as a person who's empathetic. Like, I, like it was a punishment. I really did used to think I was being punished. It's like, why is it that so many people I come in contact with can be so cold to me, can be so hurtful to me? But it's because they need that love. It's because they're lacking in something. And I'm always willing to give that. And so to anyone, if you need somebody to tell you that you matter, if you need somebody to tell you that they care about you, I'll do that for you. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I understand my purpose and being the giver of love that I'm not necessarily going to expect anything back from you. I'm not going to say we need to be best friends and that I expect a Christmas card during the holidays and, you know, you need to invite me to Thanksgiving and all your kids' birthday parties. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that I want you to stay. That's all I need from you is I'm just asking you to stay. And I can't promise that tomorrow will be easier. I can't promise that next week will be easier. 
But I can promise you that if you stay, that things can eventually get better. Even if it's you just talking to somebody, even if it's you finding happiness again in things that used to make you happy. Or even if it's like me and you need to pick yourself up off the floor. Something will change. Something's got to give. And I know that suicide and depression and things are hard to talk about. And that they aren't something that you just openly discuss with people you don't know. Because those type of things are very intimate. And a lot of times we struggle with situations like that completely on our own. Because we're scared of the risk of judgment. Or people looking at us differently. But I'm not scared anymore. Let me be the buffer. Let me be the shield. All I'm doing is just asking you to stay. Something I want us all to work on, and I'm talking to myself as well, is loving unconditionally. Loving yourself unconditionally, but also being willing to love others unconditionally. Nobody's perfect. We are humans and we are flawed. We can be mean and we can be unfair and judgmental and hateful when we want to be. But we need to make a diligent effort to love unconditionally. To not only care about people based off of their looks or their status in life or what they can do for you. But to be willing to love people at their lowest and ugliest and weakest moments. We have to be willing to open ourselves up to give unconditional love and to receive it. We have to. We have to stop being so desensitized to people's cries for help or people reaching out. It's so 2018 of us to see a post on Facebook about someone feeling broken or someone feeling lost and to hit the sad face reaction or to just like it and keep scrolling. What is that doing for that person? Sometimes people don't know how to ask for help. And when you think about it, social media is such a huge platform that That could be their way of asking for help. You never know what somebody is going through. And that Facebook status or that Instagram post or that tweet. It really could be them 
searching for that one person that's going to comment and be like, hey, I love you. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, do you need to talk? Sometimes people are looking for that. And what do we give them? A like and we're on our way. I want us to get back to being human beings that care about other human beings. I don't care if we haven't spoken in 10 years. I don't care if we had a falling out. I don't care if we were never friends to begin with. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to feel like they are so alone or they're so worthless or there's nothing else they can do. So the only thing left is to take their life. I'm not asking anybody to give me the full rundown of what's going on with them. Because at the end of the day, we're grown. You don't have to explain anything to me. And I'm not going to pry any information out of you that you don't want to give me. But at the end of the day, I don't want you to die. So if you feel like those closest to you, that they won't understand what's going on. And sometimes it is good to talk to somebody who's got a little distance from you because their perspective is more open and you might not feel judged as harshly. Then do that. Talk to somebody. There are so many resources online. Do so many things. Do whatever you want to do, but leave. I know 100%. I, I understand what it feels like to feel like it's just better if I'm not here. But it's up to me, and honestly, it's up to everybody else to be caring, to be loving, to reach out. Sometimes we're all stuck in our own little worlds, and we're like, you know what? If they don't care about me and they don't want to take the time out to talk to me, then screw them. Forget it. But sometimes we got to get down off of our high horses of expecting everybody to do the right thing and we have to do the right thing our damn selves. I have been in plenty of situations where I've noticed something in somebody or they've said something and it doesn't sit right with me. And I think about that if the next day I found out that they were gone, how I would feel about scrolling past them on Instagram or scrolling past them on Facebook and not making myself present to them as somebody who cares about them. So I am dedicating myself from this moment forward to do that. And even if you think I'm being annoying... I can, I can only annoy you if you're alive. I want us to work on spreading more love. So many people are going through so many things. 
So many people are fighting so many issues and so many demons. So many problems. They're dealing with so many traumas. We have to stop being so wrapped up in ourselves and thinking about us. And take a little bit of that and think about somebody else, even if it's one person a day. That's okay. But I, I'm not asking everybody to do it, but I am making it my job to be more diligent and to be an advocate and not an advocate for everybody else's situations, but to use my own situation and my own issues and my own dealings with depression and my own dealings with suicide and my own Dealings with anxiety to help somebody else. I never want anybody to feel what I felt. And even if you have gotten to the point where you felt how I felt before, I don't want you to go anywhere. We need to learn to love. We need to be more loving. It could. I'm not saying that it will. But it could save somebody's life. Think about that. Thank you for hanging out and listening to another episode of Mother of Raw. I continue to hope that this podcast is helpful to someone and even if one thing that was said makes a difference in your life that makes me happy that is the goal of this podcast if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts anxiety depression or anything along those lines please try to reach out for help sometimes you might want to talk to a family member or a friend some of us it's easier to talk to a stranger But you have to do what's best for you and you have to get help in the way that best suits you and no one else. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24-7, 365. That means all the time. And they also have a website that is also a great resource as well. Always feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at mother.of.raw at outlook.com or you can follow me on Instagram, mother.of.raw. They're exactly the same. And this week I don't have a vocabulary word for you, but instead I want us to try, and I put an emphasis on try, to be more empathetic this week. I want us to try to be more open and understanding of the fact that not everyone can be their best selves every single day. And sometimes we have to be the ones to be proactive because there are so many people who don't know how to ask for help. So sometimes we have to offer it. And even if that could be a weekly text message to check in on them, you never know. That smiley face randomly throughout the week could be really meaningful to a person who is feeling low or feeling unimportant. And if we can make that small difference in their lives, then we should do it. And on top of caring about others, I always, every single week, continue to talk about self-care and self-love and to be in check and with 
and to check in with your own emotions sometimes. As always, continue to let things make you happy. Even if you don't feel like smiling, even if it is a dark day and the clouds are rolling in, try to find that one little thing that makes you happy. Chris this week told me that on Wednesdays, Dunkin' Donuts has chocolate glazed donuts. And even though that sounds atrocious to me, if that's the one little thing during the week that make you happy is to get a donut, then do something that makes you happy. And always try to remember that today might be kind of dark and tomorrow might be a little gloomy too, but it really does eventually get better and the sun really does eventually come out. And I close with all warriors have battle scars. Remember that. I'll see you next week.